Good morning, people of God. This is Apostle Shirley Evans. Today is the 28th day of October 2020. The time is 8.11 a.m. Today is Wednesday, October 28, 2020. Time is 8.11 a.m. Good morning. I pray that when you receive this, this message, it will find you quite well, doing well. Peace of mind, joy in your heart. So Father, I don't take it lightly. Father, this vessel that you're using to proclaim your teaching, your word, Holy Spirit, help me, Lord God, to always be a person with a willing mind, a yielded spirit to you to do what you've called me to do in the name of Jesus. So Holy Spirit, I ask you to have your way this morning. Father God, I rebuke and bind every spirit of distraction that will distract me from sending forth this message this morning. Father, we covered by your blood. No weapon that is formed against us shall prosper. And every lying tongue that rises up against us, we shall condemn in the name of Jesus. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art a potter, I am the clay. Melt me and mold me after thy way. While I am yielded, yielded and still. Thank you, Father. There is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I have searched throughout eternity, Lord, and find there is none like you. The King of love, my shepherd, is whose goodness faileth never. I nothing lack if I am his, and he is mine forever. Where streams of living water flow, my ransom solely leadeth and where the verdant pastures grow with food celestial feedeth perverse and foolish oft i strayed but yet in love he sought me and on his shoulder gently laid and home rejoicing brought me in death's dark veil i fear no ill with thee dear lord beside me thy rod and staff my comfort still thy cross before to guide me thou spreads a table in my sight thy unction grace bestow it and over oh, transport of delight from thy pure chalice floweth and so through all the lines of days thy goodness faileth never good shepherd may i sing thy praise within thy house for ever the king of love my shepherd is I hope he is your shepherd, people of God, because he's a good shepherd. 
I'm going to sing to the young and the young of at heart this morning. And we are all young and children of the Lord. It doesn't matter how old we are. And when we, years ago, when we went to school, there are some songs that we sang in school. We never forgot them. Do no sinful action. Speak no angry word. Ye belong to Jesus, children of the Lord. Christ is kind and gentle. Christ is pure and true. And his little children must be holy too. There's a wicked spirit watching round you still and he tries to tempt you to all harm and ill but ye must not hear him though tis hard for you to resist the evil and the good to do for ye promised truly in your infant days to renounce him wholly and forsake his ways. Ye are newborn Christians, ye must learn to fight with the bad within you and to do the right. Christ is your own master, he is good and true, and his little children must be holy too. That sounds like the old days. Jesus better shine with a clear pure light like a little candle burning in the night in this world of darkness we must shine you in your small corner and i in mine jesus bids us shine first of all for him well he sees and knows it if our light is dim he looks down from heaven to see us shine. You in your small corner and I in mine. Jesus bids us shine then for all around. Many kinds of darkness in this world abound. Sin and want and sorrow, so we must must shine you in your small corner and i in mine that sound like the old old school but he's speaking to his little children that's us morning has broken like the first morning Blackbird has spoken like the first bird. Praise for the singing, praise for the morning. Praise for them springing fresh from the wood. Sweet the rain's new fall, sunlit from heaven like the first dew fall on the first grass praise for the sweetness of the wet garden sprung in completeness where his feet pass mine is the sunlight mine is the morning Born of the one light, Eden saw play. Praise with elation, praise every morning. God's recreation 
of the new day. What a beautiful, beautiful song. We are his sheep, and he is our shepherd and our Lord. Loving shepherd of thy sheep, keep thy lamb in safety, keep. Nothing can thy power withstand, none can pluck me from thy hand. Loving Saviour, thou didst give thine own life that we might live, and the hands outstretched to bless, bear the cruel nails impress. I would praise thee every day, gladly all thy will obey, like thy blessed ones above, happy in thy precious love. Loving shepherd ever near, teach thy lamb thy voice to hear, Suffer not my steps to stray from the straight and narrow way. Where thou leadest, I would go, walking in thy steps below, till before my Father's throne I shall know as thou hast known. Praise him, praise him, all ye little children. He is love, he is love. Praise him, praise him, all ye little children. He is love, he is love. Thank him, thank him, all ye little children, thy is love, he is love. Thank him, thank him, all ye little children, he is love, he is love. Love him, love him, all ye little children, he is love, he is love. Love him, love him. All ye little children, he is love, he is love. Crown him, crown him, all ye little children, he is love, he is love. Crown him, crown him, all ye little children, he is love, he is love. Serve him, serve him. All ye little children, he is love, he is love. Serve him, serve him. All ye little children, he is love, he is love. He is love and we're going to let him lead us because he's a shepherd. Savior. Like a shepherd, lead us. Much we need thy tenderest care. In thy pleasant pastures, feed us. For our use, thy folds prepare. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou was born us. Thine we are. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, Thou hast bought us, Thine we are. We are Thine, though Thou befriend us, Be the guardian of our way. Keep Thy Flock from sin defend us, seek us when we go astray. Blessed Jesus, 
Blessed Jesus, hear, oh, hear us when we pray. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, hear, oh, hear us when we pray. Thou hast promised to receive us, poor and sinful though we be. Thou hast mercy to relieve us, grace to cleanse and part free. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, let us early turn to thee. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, let us early turn to thee. Early let us seek thy favor, early let us do thy will. Blessed Lord and only Savior, with thy love our blossoms fill. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast loved us, love us still. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast loved us, love us still. Thou hast loved us, please love us still. Thank you, Father. What an awesome God. He loved us. Love us still. Let us with a gladsome mind. Praise the Lord for he is kind. For his mercy shall endure. Ever faithful, ever sure. Let us with a gladsome mind praise the lord for he is kind for his mercy shall endure ever faithful ever sure let us place his name abroad for all gods he is the god for his mercy shall endure ever faithful ever sure with all commanding might fill the new made world with light for his mercy shall endure ever faithful ever sure he the golden dressed sun caused all day his cause to run for his mercies shall endure ever faithful ever sure and the horned moon at night made a spangled sister's bright for his mercy shall endure ever faithful ever sure all things living he doth feed his full hand supplies their need for his mercies shall endure 
ever faithful, ever sure. Let us with a gladsome mind praise the Lord, for he is kind, for his mercies shall endure ever faithful ever sure the israelites knew god have mercy on them because now this is the last straw we are still speaking about squeezing the glory out of us some people just don't know when to quit <clears throat> that was pharaoh's problem there comes a time to stop resisting God. But Pharaoh missed the time. He missed it. He could have lived happily ever after without his Hebrew slaves. He could have. Instead of leaving well enough alone, he pressed the issue to the point of disaster. The dust hadn't even settled from the Israelites' departure when the Egyptian king changed his mind. He changed his mind again. Once more, Pharaoh set himself in opposition to God's will. See, see, the thing is, when Pharaoh was doing what God was telling him to do, he was right in the will of God. But now he decided, okay, I'm going to oppose you, God. Pharaoh set himself in opposition to God's will for the Israelites. And doing so, he played right into God's hands. Now, okay, Pharaoh, now I'm going to deal with you. You was in my will when I was telling you what to do. But now I'm not telling you. You're, you're, that, that, that part of your assignment was over. But no, you put it, you take it in your own hand. Decide, okay, I'm going to pose you, God. So watch what's going to happen to him. Exodus chapter 14, verse 1. And Exodus chapter 14, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Fihahiroth, between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zippon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering round the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army and Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. Now, just look at this. Look at this, the connection here. First, God said, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And then I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh. He hardened Pharaoh's heart, but yet he's going to get glory for himself through Pharaoh. Why? So that the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. God was going to use Pharaoh's stubbornness to expose his glory so that Pharaoh and the rest of the Egyptians would know that he is God. I want to say that again. Why? So that the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So God was going to use Pharaoh's stubbornness to expose his glory so that Pharaoh and the rest of the Egyptians would know that he was God. Isn't that awesome? Although Pharaoh had seen abundant evidence of the power and glory of God, apparently he hadn't learned nothing. So now the stage was being set for the last straw, the final stroke. In Exodus chapter 14, verse 5 to 9, the word of the Lord says, 
when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near the Hairoth, opposite Baal Zippon. When the Israelites spotted the Egyptian, when the Israelites spotted the Egyptian army pursuing them, they were terrified. I could imagine they were screaming and hollering. They didn't they, Lord, look at, I taught you to deliver us, but look. They were terrified and complained, murmurers and complainers, and complained to Moses, blaming Moses for bringing them out into the desert only to face death. No matter what you do for some people, no matter what God has done for us, we still sometimes murmur and complain. Moses' response revealed his complete and utter trust in the Lord. Moses had to be strong and say, but I trust in God. Moses answered the people. In Exodus chapter 14, verse 13 to 14, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. I could imagine him with his mild-mannered self. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. God is still telling us that. Stand firm. Whatever you're going through, stand firm. God will deliver you. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The Lord will fight for you. The Holy Spirit gave me a word last night, just before I went off to bed. It was, wow, God. Isaiah 48. Isaiah 48. He's an awesome God. Isaiah 48 and verse 3. God holds the future. So see, they are going to be delivered and we are going to be delivered suddenly. Okay? Isaiah 48 verse 3. I have declared the former things from the beginning and they went forth out of my mouth and I showed them I did them suddenly and they came to pass. Let me say that again. Isaiah chapter 48 verse 3. I have declared the former things from the beginning and they went forth out of my mouth. And I showed them. I did them suddenly and they came to pass. God is about to do some suddenlies in our lives. We're going to be with our mouth in awe. That's the word of the Lord. He want me to let you all know, all of you, that he's about to do some suddenlies in your life. Don't be afraid. He's going to do it. But when he does it suddenly, you didn't expect it. Suddenly, he's going to do it. Suddenly. So rejoice, rejoice. He's going to deliver. He's not a man that he should lie. So Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Mark that down in your diary or put it on a piece of paper, put it on the refrigerator if you have one, or put it somewhere so you can see it. 
know that God is getting ready to deliver his people. Suddenly, then at God's command, Moses held his staff out over the sea. God parted the waters and the Israelites crossed over on dry land. When the Egyptians attempted to follow, God brought the waters together again, drowning them in the mist. Not one of them escaped. So let me say some, some hard taskmasters have been squeezing you. God is about to deliver you. I'm going to write a song. Some hard taskmasters have been squeezing you. God is going to deliver you. Some hard taskmasters have squeezed you. God is about to deliver you. Some hard taskmasters have squeezed you. God is about to deliver you. When suddenly, suddenly, He's going to deliver you. He's going to deliver you suddenly. God, not one of them escaped. God brought the waters together again, drowning them in a mist. Not one escaped. God exposes glory and as a result, the Egyptians and especially the Israelites came to know him, both the darkness and the light. The Egyptians were darkness. The Israelites were light. So both light and darkness, they got to know who God really is. In Exodus chapter 14, verse 31, and when the Israelites saw the great power, the Lord displayed again the Egyptians. And when the Israelites saw the great power, the Lord displayed against the Egyptians. The people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses' servant. That's awesome, eh? That's the power. That's the same God who's working on our behalf. And when he's about, he's about to do something so serious that we, light and darkness, going to know that he is God and beside him, there's no power like his, like his power. So when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in God and in Moses' servant. So you have to have a God-centered perspective in this time. He said, stand firm and see the Lord's deliverance. Or stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. That's good counsel for all of us. We have to stand firm, wait, and see. Suddenly, our deliverance will come. Sometimes the best of us, sometimes the best way to bring out the glory of God in us is for someone to stand in our way. Because <laughs> you'd be like, ain't no way I'm going to cross over because all of this stuff in my way. But God say, I'm going to allow it so you could see my glory. Pharaoh stood in the way of the Israelites. And Moses told them to stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. See, you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. Whenever we face trials or obstacles that hold us back from becoming what we were born to be, it may be time for us to stand firm and see, stand firm and see. That means you can't be looking in your natural eye. You better be discerning with your spiritual eyes. Stand firm and see. 
as God blows holes in the walls that block our way. Blows holes? No, he's gonna he's gonna knock those walls down. Sometimes God will squeeze us by allowing trials, hardships, and obstacles to, to pressure us. Not only to test, to temper, to purify and strengthen our faith, but also to bring out his glory in us so that others can see him. We need to learn to look at problems the way God does. I'm now looking at problem as an opportunity. An opportunity for God's glory to come out of me. As believers, we are just vessels of, of clay that contains God's glory. And squeezing us will bring it out. If life has you in a squeeze, don't despair. That's a good place to be. Trust that God wants to manifest his glory in and through you. Let life's pressures squeeze the glory out of you so it permeates the environment around you with the sweet fragrance of God's presence. But this will call for a complete change of your viewpoint. You have to change your mind, how you see things. Because so often we Christians live from a self-centered perspective, always seeking ways to be blessed or healed or comforted. We don't want to seek ways where we're going to suffer or go through some test. Or we always thinking in terms of what God can do for us. All the time you hear them, child, I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. Well, you tell me that story. Tell me another story. Ask Jesus. He suffered, but you don't want to go through that. But he needs to squeeze the glory out of you. All you hear is, I'm blessed. I'm being blessed and highly favored. On the other hand, we don't want to go through anything else. If we want to become all we were born to be, and see God's glory manifested in and through us, we must adjust to a God-centered perspective on life. As believers and disciples, our lives are not our own. We belong to God, and he has the absolute right to use us according to his will and purpose in order to reveal himself and make himself known to people who need to know him. We need to be ready and willing to be squeezed for God's glory. Sometimes squeezing hurts. Oh yes, it hurts. It hurts to the point, I remember two days ago, it hurts to the point where some years ago, it, it was really, really hurting to the point where I refused to drive by Saunders Beach because fear was still in me. Because on that beach was where they abducted me from the beach to take me to Sunderland. So it took me one year, I refused to drive that because the memories kept coming in my mind and, and finally I was, my, I was healed from the fear. And I drive by there whenever I want to. The only reason I don't drive by now because we are shut in a pandemic. But the pain. We don't want to hurt. We need to be ready and willing to be squeezed for God's glory. But sometimes squeezing really hurts. But the results and rewards are well worth the pain. It wasn't easy. But it was worth it. God will show up and people will see and know who he is. If you need encouragement and an example of a life lived from a God-centered perspective, we need to look no further than the life of Jesus. Because there was one who was willing 
to die in my stead, that a soul so unworthy might live. And the path to the cross, he was willing to tread all the sins of my life to forgive. They are nailed to the cross, he was nailed to the cross. Oh, how much he was willing to bear. With what anguish and loss, Jesus went to the cross, but he carried my sins with him there. And so, oh yes, we can look at Jesus' life. And if we say that we are children of God, then arm yourself likewise, he suffered, and so will you. Glory comes out under pressure. We will show the world how big God is by the trials he brings us through. What we see as problems, God sees as opportunities to manifest his glory. I told somebody the other day, I said, God is stretching you. Learn to be stretched, your faith stretched. God is very jealous both for the reputation of his name and for his glory. When people see God working through and overcoming obstacles, they will know he is God and will give him the glory. He always wants to expose his glory so that people can see and know him. Sometimes God will squeeze us by allowing trials hardships and obstacles to pressure us, not only to test, to temper us, to purify and strengthen our faith, but also to bring out his glory in us so that others can see him, not us. Let life's pressures squeeze the glory out of you so it permeates the environment around you with the sweet fragrance of God's presence. If you want to become all we were born to be and see God's glory manifested in and through us, we must adjust to God-centered perspective in life. We need to be ready and willing to be squeezed for God's glory. Are you ready? Ready, set, go. When we were young, in a race, ready, set, set, go. And the bell rings, and then you're off, you're going. The world defines success in many ways. They su define success by wealth and fame and power and influence. For some, success means having a better job a higher salary, a bigger house, or a nicer car than the neighbors do. Others consider themselves successful when they have reached the top of the social ladder and are attending all the right parties and, and the, being among the right people. While there is nothing wrong with material possession or social advancement, we must be careful not to let the desire for them consume us. Many people pursue these things as the end goal of life, only to find them empty. Contrary to what the world tells us, there is more to life than possessions and social status. According to the four gospels, Jesus had more to say about money, possessions, and our attitude toward them than about any other subject. Remember one day he, 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 he was speaking and he was telling the people around him who was listening, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Luke chapter 12 verse 15. A man's life does not consist in abundance of his possessions, yet Many believers pursue these things with the same intensity and drive as non-believers, as if there was no other purpose in life. Jesus gives us the perfect model of a true successful life. 
if we were trying to summarize in one sentence the life of our Lord, we could do no better than what he himself said in a prayer to his father. And that's John chapter 17, verse 4, he said, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. I finished it. Notice that Jesus exposed God's glory not through praise and worship, but through his work. For Jesus, glorifying God meant being obedient and faithful to finish the mission he had received from his Father. Everything Jesus did on earth, his preaching, his teaching, his preaching and his teaching and everything he did, his healing and other miracles, pointed toward the one defining event in his life. The one defining life, the one defining thing in Jesus' life was the cross. Jesus' prayer in the 17th chapter of John came on the night before he died. He was arrested shortly afterward his next step was calvary he had no one to defend him the songwriters say they tried my lord and master with no one to defend within the halls of Pilate, with no one to Defend, I'll be a friend to Jesus, my life on earth to spend. I'll be a friend to Jesus until my life shall end. He had no one to defend him. Jesus was born for the cross. And you think you weren't born to go through crosses? Jesus was born for the cross. That was where the fullness of his glory was revealed. Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John chapter 1 verse 29. But he would not be fully revealed as a Lamb until he hung on the cross. Jesus began his prayer with the words, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. That's John chapter 17, verse 1. Jesus had finished his work and the time had come for his full glory to be revealed. It was as if Jesus was saying everything up to now has been merely a prelude. Like the other day, uh, the Holy Spirit was saying to me, this is just a rehearsal. Walking on water, multiplying fish and bread, healing the sick, raising, raising the dead. None of that has revealed his full weight, his full glory. Jesus said, my true glory is still hidden. I have waited my whole life. Is Jesus talking now before that time came? I've waited my whole life for this hour because now the people are going to see who I really am. Remember the scripture said they will look on him whom they have passed. They're now going to recognize who he really is. And when they see who I really am, they will know who you really are also. Calvary was Jesus's finest hour. From the cross, he gave his testimony to his completed work when he cried out, it is finished. John chapter 19 verse 30. Through his obedience, Jesus glorified both himself and his father. Hebrews chapter five verse eight says, although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And hmm, although he was a son, 
yet learned to obedience in the things that he suffered. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2 verse 8 to 11, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on, on, on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is about above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The cross made possible the empty tomb. If it wasn't for, for, for the cross, you didn't, didn't need an empty tomb. Jesus had to die in order to rise again. But I'll rise again. No power on earth can tie me down. I will rise again. Death can't keep me in the ground. Jesus had to die in order to rise again. Are you willing to go through your dying state to rise again in glory? Calvary revealed Jesus as the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. While the resurrection revealed him as Christ the Lord, whose name is above every other name. God the Father exalted and glorified his Son because Jesus glorified his Father by completing the work he was sent to do. This was the pattern of Jesus' life. The Gospel of John shows clearly how Jesus revealed God's glory in everything he did and said. So, we've got to be squeezed to get the glory out of us. Yield yourselves. From the very beginning of the Gospel of John, John wasted no time in declaring Jesus. In John chapter 1, verse 1 to 5, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Jesus Christ was the full image and expression of God in human bodily form. From this brief passage alone, we learn that Jesus was God and was with God from the beginning, that he was the one whom all things were created and that he is the source of life not just physical life, but also spiritual life. Jesus came in the flesh to show us what God is like. For example, God is the life giver. So is Jesus. So Jesus had to come in the flesh. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. John chapter 5 verse 21 says, in John chapter 10 verse 28 says, I, Jesus, give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. In John chapter 17 verse 2 it says, For you granted him, that is Jesus, authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Sin begins, sin brings sin brings death jesus is the savior who came to bring us life i want to say that again sin brings death but jesus is the savior who came to bring us life in giving us life jesus reveals the father so we can know what he is like he makes it possible for us to become children of God. 
John chapter 1, verse 12 to 13. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, not of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. God took on human form so we could see for ourselves the full expression of his nature and character. Other than that, we was just going to see him as a spirit. He became like us so that we could once again become like him. Jesus was the full manifestation of God's glory in the flesh. His life is an example of what we should be in our jars of clay, in our flesh. On the word flesh, John chapter 1 was 14 and 18. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. The phrase made his dwelling translates the Greek word skino, which literally means tabernacle or spread one's tent. When Jesus came in the flesh, he tabernacled or pitched his tent in our midst so that we could see him and know him as the only, the one and only son of the father. Jesus exposed God's glory. So John is saying that Jesus showed us what the source is like by uncovering the full weight of the father he revealed us to us the character of God. What is the character of God? He is full of grace and truth. That's the character of God, full of grace and truth, which also means full of blessing, full of favor, and full of gifts. It is where we get the, the word charisma. One of the characteristics of God is that he bestows blessings. He extends favor and gives gifts to his people. Christ is the mediator through whom they come. Paul wrote to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter four, verse seven to eight. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. God is also full of truth. Not only is he the source of truth, he is truth. Objectively, this means that God is the core reality that underlies everything that exists, both physical and spiritual, visible and invisible. Subjectively, it means that God is free of and he's free of any and all pretense falsehood and deceit he's free of that god's truth is sincerity and integrity of character he never lies and always keeps his promises god is utterly trustworthy and absolutely holy in fact holiness is another way to define truth in James chapter 1, verse 17, James described the God of grace and truth this way. Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God is grace, the giver of every good and perfect gift, and he is truth, unchanging and without a hint or shadow of falsehood. These same characteristics describe Jesus. As Jesus himself told Philip, Jesus told Philip who was around him all the time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. 
John chapter 14, verse 9. When we look at Jesus, we see God. So, Father, we today thank you, Holy Spirit, for teaching us more about Jesus, more about the Word, more about the glory, more about letting us know to get it out of us. We have to go through a pressure to squeeze it out of us. I told somebody earlier today that when we were growing up, we would get the corn. You had to plant the corn, the seed, and then here comes the corn and the corn is dried. Now you have to grind the corn in a mill and you grind the whole corn and you grind it until it gets um, um, finer and finer. And then you can't eat it like that. You have to put it in a fanner and you have to sift it and and the chaff will come out so when we're going through our squeezing we have to squeeze it squeeze we have to be squeezed pressured for the glory to come out of us so let us yield to our father to the holy spirit and let him do what needs to be done in us and father we glorify your name today we magnify your name all the glory, all the praise go to you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for instructing us and teaching us your word, your truth. And I pray that the grace of God, the mercy of God, the love of God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind this day. Keep safe. I love you. Let no one take your joy. I love you. Have a blessed day in Jesus' name. I love you. I love you. God bless you.